Philippians 4, 1 through 9, says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, Adia, and plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women, since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let the gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Thank you, Amber. Good morning. That's pretty good. Pretty good good morning. (laughs) Again, my name's Adam. I'm one of the volunteer student ministers, and worship leader and whatever else you guys ask me to do. We are excited you're here and we're excited to dig into Philippians as we've been digging in for the past couple of months, um, verse by verse, section by section, kind of breaking down Philippians and we're, we're finally in the last chapter of Philippians, right? And we've got this week and next week and then the following week after that, we're going to kind of tie them all together. All right, so we've got three more weeks in Philippians and it's been fun for me to look at this book that's just full of joy and hope for the church in Philippi. Right? And going back to our first week, the church in Philippians, the church at Philippi looks a lot like us, right? Amy talked about that last week. It looks like us. So we can say we're kind of this church. This is who we are. And Paul's writing this letter to the church of the Philippians, and you might as well be writing it to us. We've been around about the same amount of time. It's a church start. They probably look a lot like us. And act a lot like us. And the cool thing is, is the church of Philippi, right, going all the way back to the very first week, we know their story. We know the story of Lydia, who worked in the, as a seller of purple goods or in the fashion industry, if you want to go that far with it, right? She, she came to know Christ through Paul. And we know about her. And we know that she then had Paul in her home and she took care of him. We know of the jailer. After Paul was arrested, he, he came to Christ after Paul shared Christ with him. And we know of that jailer. Just like we know of our stories here at Gateway, we know of the stories of lives being changed through the jubilee thing that we had a number of years ago. Or lives being changed because those families have lived in the transitional houses that we own. Or lives that have been changed through adoption or getting rid of addictions or whatever those things might be where our lives have changed and we know those stories because we know each other. Right? And so we can sit and we can look at this book and we can see this book of Philippians is... Right? We can go all the way there. And we know that Paul's writing this book 
It's not a book of like, hey, you guys are messed up. You guys need to fix what you're doing. You're not living your life right. No, Paul's writing this letter to this, this church and saying, you guys are doing really, really well. You guys are doing really cool things for the gospel. But you can do more. So don't sit back. Don't get comfortable. But keep pressing on. Right? So that's, that's where we're at in Philippians. It's not a book of, hey, you need to fix these behaviors. It's a book of, hey... The behaviors you have are awesome, but they can be even better and more refined and more usable for the gospel of Christ. Okay? That's where we're at in Philippians. Everybody good with that? Everybody cool? Yes? Head nods? Thank you, Faith. Appreciate it. All right. Chapter 4. Let's dig in. First, let's pray before we dig in real quick. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for um, getting us here. And I thank you for your word. And for what you're going to say to us through your word. And God, I ask that you give me the words to say, that you speak through me today, and that you shape us, all of us, today with your word. In the name of Christ, amen. And you must be okay. I've got a little bit of a head cold, so I've got like deep voice going on. Chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers, I'm in the uh, ESV version, by the way. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat you, oh gosh, Euodia and Syntyche. Those are difficult. Right? I had to go on like Bible Gateway and hit the play button and listen to them so I would know how to pronounce Syntyche. It's a, difficult, it's a weird name. Our daughter will not be named Syntyche. I entreat Euodia and Syntyche to agree in the Lord. And yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers who, whose names are in the book of life. In this little section, Paul's writing to very specific people, to Euodia and Syntyche, right? He's writing to these two ladies who, as far as we, we don't know much about them, but it's assumed that they're in some sort of disagreement. And he's just in, encouraging them, in, he's entreating them, as my version says, to agree in the Lord, to come to some sort of reconciliation. So, and he says, and those of you who are there, help them. Pretty simple thing. If there's disagreement, help people come to agreement. Right? It's a pretty easy two verses to dig into. Verse 4. Where we're going to hang out a lot in verse 4 today. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It's not a very long verse. It's not really that complicated. He's just telling us, hey, like you need to rejoice in the Lord all the time. And in case you missed it, in case you didn't hear me the first time, like just a second ago when I was telling you to rejoice in the Lord always, again, I'm going to tell you again, just, hey, rejoice. Like, get on it. Start rejoicing. How many people are good at rejoicing? Ian says he's good. Where's Naren? Hey, she's good at it. I'm not. I am not a rejoicer. I am not one to get giddy about things at all. My wife hates it. She's not a fan of it. Megan gets very excited about things, and I don't. And it kind of drives her up the wall sometimes. But this is not the type of rejoicing that Paul's writing about. He's not writing about, like, rejoicing because it's, it's, it's a really nice day, and you had a really good day, and you had fun. That's not the type of rejoicing he's writing about. He's not talking about rejoicing because, you know, everything in your life is going really well, and you've got a good job, and, you, and you're able to do the things that you want to do with your family, and so on and so forth. He's not writing about that. Those are circumstantial joys, right? The circumstances that you are in then affect your joy. But that's not the joy he's talking about. He's talking about a much deeper, a much in-depth, a much foundational joy. 
And it's a joy that might look different for different people. But he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He's not saying not in the money or fame, duty or work or your family. The joy that he's asking us to rejoice in is the joy of the Lord. Right? The joy of the Lord. It's not a circumstantial joy of the Lord. It's not because like everything in your life is going well and you feel like God is blessing you, so I've got joy in my life. But then if something goes wrong, all of a sudden that joy leaves because it's based on circumstances. He's telling us to have joy in God that is whole. And my my little study that I was digging into said it was deep contentment and trust in God. That's the type of joy we should have. A deep contentment and trust in God. And that goes through good times and bad times. Right? It's really easy to have joy in God when everything seems to be going smoothly. It's really easy to have joy in God when things are going the direction that you think they should be going. But the moment they take a turn, where's your joy found? Is it found in those circumstantial things or is it found in a deep contentment and trust of God that God knows what He knows what's best for you and that He has your best in His heart and that He's going to lay it out there for you as best He can but it might mean that you have to go through some bumps in the road. Where is your joy found? And Paul's just reminding the people of, hey, your joy can't be circumstantial. It must be foundational. It must be found in deep contentment and trust in God. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And the cool thing about rejoicing in the Lord always is that joy can be found all the time. It says always right there. So that means forever, all the time. It never leaves. So you can find that joy. And if we go back to the Greek of the word joy, it's the word Cairo, which is the root word for charis, which means grace. And so, another version of the of, uh, the scripture, it says it can be translated to delight in the Lord. Rejoice means to delight in the Lord, and another one means to experience fully in the grace of God. And the cool thing about experiencing fully the grace of God is we've got to go all the way back to Christ and His love for us. Right? So if we truly want to have joy in our lives, we have to embrace completely and wholly and experience fully the gospel of Christ. Christ coming to this earth, living a perfect life, and replacing us on the cross because we have sin in our lives that's separating us from God. And he says, I don't want you to be separated anymore. I'm going to die on the cross for you. The joy that we have in our lives is based on that. It's not based on whether or not we got the job or whether or not we got the raise or whether or not our family looks the way it's supposed to look. It's based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the joy that Paul's calling us to. And the cool thing about God's grace, if we're digging into the grace of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The grace that God gives us, forgiving us of our sins. When we experience fully the grace of God, it's not circumstantial. The grace of God doesn't come whether or not we do the right things. It comes whether or not we believe that it's ours. We believe that God gave it to us and we accepted it. It's not a circumstantial grace. It doesn't come and go. It isn't ebb and flow. The wind can't blow it away. It's here. 
And Paul's saying your joy has to be foundational in that grace. And it needs to be, you need to be content with God and trust God that He has your back. Because here's the deal, a lot of times I think, at least with me, if something starts to go wrong, I'm a fixer. I like to fix things if things are not right. Like, that's my job at work. My jo- I work for a bank. And if a, if a thing in the bank, a transaction or a loan or something is not correct, my job is to catch it and to fix it before it goes out the door. That's my job. All day, every day. Is I put out fires. Right? There's a problem here. I go and fix it. Oh, this, this piece of technology isn't working correctly. I go and fix it so that it works right. And that's my job. I'm a fixer. And I think a lot of times in life, we try and fix it so that we can have joy again. We try and go do things on our own so that we can have this joy that Paul is calling us to. Instead of trusting God to take care of it for us. Trusting that God has us in a place where He puts us on purpose that we can reflect His love and His light to the world as best as possible. So rejoice. If this joy is found in your life, things are going to look different. Your Facebook posts are going to look different. Right? It's not going to be, oh, this day has been really good, and then the next day it's like the worst day ever. Right? That's, your Facebook posts are going to look different. The way you talk to your friends is going to look different. When somebody says, how are you doing? It's not going to be just negative, negative, negative. It's going to be, you know what's been really tough, but I'm trusting God. And I am content with where God has me. And He's going to put me in a place where things are going to look different for me. And I'm going to rejoice in that. I'm not rejoicing in the circumstances. I'm rejoicing in that I trust God. So rejoice in the Lord always. And just in case you missed it, one more time. Rejoice. Dig in. Be content. Trust Him. And everything will look different in your life. On the way in, you were given a blue piece of paper. If you don't have a blue piece of paper, Amy has one for you. We're going to do something a little bit different. During the talk this morning, I'm going to have you guys write things down. Okay, so if you have your blue piece of paper, grab it. If you don't have it, raise your hand. Amy will hook you up. And here's what I want you to do. Is when, when we talk about having a deep contentment with God, I want you to think about in your life, what's going on in your life right now, where are you at in your life right now, where you can say, I'm rejoicing in God in this specific area of my life. What's one thing where you can take your time, we're going to take about a minute here once everybody has a sheet of paper, one area of your life where you say, yes, I am content with God in this area of my life. Whether that be work, maybe that's with your family, maybe that's with a different area of your life. Whatever it is, just think for a moment, take your time. we got plenty of time this morning. And we're still working on getting you guys some of those sheets. And then once you... Amy's about to fall down the stairs. Amy, can you... Yeah, there you go. Um... So we're going to take some time, and I want you just to think about where are you content with God? Where are you rejoicing with God in your life? Allie's coming for you. She'll get you. So just take a moment while they're finished passing them out, and we'll be good.
Now hang on to that sheet of paper, because later on we're going to write down some more stuff on there. All right? And it's just nice sometimes, I think, to write things down. I, I think for me, a lot of times I can think all day long about things, but the moment I put it on paper, it becomes real. Right? And so I think it's real, and it's good for us to say, I rejoice in God in this specific area of my life. Like for me right now, the thing I would write down is that I am rejoicing that God is using me in different ways all the time. Like it's scary and it's crazy, but God is putting me in situations where He's using me differently all the time. And it's hard sometimes, but I'm super stoked about it because I'm content and I know that God has got awesome things in store for me. Right? That's where I'm at. So what area in your life? Just go ahead and write it down. As we dig in, let's continue. Verse 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Verse 5. Let your reasonableness, another version say gentleness, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 6 again, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. I think Paul is just reiterating Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talks about anxiousness, right? He's just kind of cluing them back in. Hey, Jesus talked about this, so it's an important thing. And he's saying, don't be anxious about anything. And if we go back to rejoicing and being content in, the, in trusting in God, our anxiety should fall away if we're rejoicing truly. Right? If we are rejoicing completely and wholly in our lives, our anxiety should fall away. Because we are completely content and trusting in God at that moment. Now, that's a hard thing to do. It's hard to not be anxious. It's hard to not worry. Right? I'm anxious and worried about this, like, three weeks from now I'm going to have a child. That's terrifying. Right? It's, it's scary. And I'm anxious and I'm worried that I'm going to break this kid. Like, not physically, but, like, emotionally. Right? So it's, it's easy to be anxious, but what's hard is to give it up. Right? It's easy to take worry on, but it's hard to give it up. And I don't know why it's hard to give it up. It doesn't, like, I'm logical, so logically it doesn't make sense. If you're worried about something, it usually makes you feel bad, and it makes you, like, uptight and upset. So why not get rid of it? But it's hard. It's hard to let it go. And Paul's saying, don't be anxious about anything. Because you've got joy in your life. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, talking to God, and supplication, which is humbly giving things over to God, trusting Him, and with thanksgiving, thanking God for what He's about to do, let your requests be known to God. And then there's a reward for that, which is cool. Like when you give this up, this thing that's making you so uptight and uncomfortable and like physically sometimes ill, right? There's a reward in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts 
and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's crazy to me that just the peace of God, not like, we know that God is smart, and we know that God is all-knowing, but even the peace that God gives surpasses all understanding. It's smarter than you. It's smarter than me. The peace of God is smarter than your worry. You can handle it. You can overcome it. It surpasses all understanding and it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It will protect you. So, if we are rejoicing in the Lord always, and again, we're going to rejoice, and we're pumped, and we're excited about God, where where God is taking us, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what's going on, and when anxiety comes our way, when we start to take a hold of things on our own again and say, oh, hang on, God, I'm not content in this area, I'm not trusting you in this area, that's where worry and anxiety comes into play, and Paul is saying, you can give that right back to him, and that same peace and that joy will fill you again. Let it go, as they would sing in Frozen. Let it go. Right? I threatened earlier that we were going to sing Frozen songs for worship. We're not. But Paul's saying, don't be anxious. It's easy to say don't. It's hard to let go. But don't be anxious because the joy is way better. The joy is worth it. The peace is worth it at the end of the day. So here's what I want you to do on that piece of paper. What's one area of your life where you're super anxious? Where you're worried? Where you're controlling it? And you haven't given it over to God? What's one area? We can identify where we have joy. And we can identify where all these good things are in our lives. But sometimes we need to identify where we struggle. And we need to put it on paper. We need to make it real. For me, the thing I would write down that I have anxiety and worry and frustration about is my time. I'm super, like, controlling of my time. It's just... It drives Megan will tell you, like, last weekend... I went crazy with time. Because it's, I line things out, and if something comes and interrupts it, it just drives me up a wall. And I don't make time. So if God's calling me in the midst of my crazy schedule, if God calls me to do something that's out of the ordinary, I might push him aside. Because it's not fitting in my calendar. So my time is the thing that I struggle with. With anxiety and giving it up. That's what I would put down on my piece of paper. Right? We need to rejoice. We need to give our anxiety, our worries, our frustrations to God. And let the peace of God 
which is smarter than all of us, guard our hearts and minds. Are we all on board with that? Yeah? It's pretty cool stuff. Moving on, verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul is urging us to go after this list of things, right? Truth, honor, justice, purity, love, commendable things, excellence, praiseworthy things. To think on these things is what my scripture says. And if we dig into the NAS version, the New American Standard, it says to dwell on these things. It says to dwell on these things. My parents just recently moved um, to 45 minutes south of St. Louis to DeSoto, Missouri, and we went and visited them last weekend. And while we were there, my dad made this comment. We, we went on this ridiculous like float trip, my dad and I, and it was just sad. We tipped a canoe a couple of times, and two grown men who don't know how to go down a river. But anyway, we're we're going down this river, and we're talking, and he says, you know, I don't even know where half of my things are anymore. So they moved, and he, he was transferred for work, so a moving company packed them and moved them into this new house, and he has no idea. He said, I had to go buy new tools because I couldn't find it. He said, I know it's here. It's here somewhere, but I can't find it. And I was thinking, as I was digging into this, what it means to dwell in something. And it means you know where things are. Right? My dad, growing up, we lived on some acreage, and every once in a while when a storm would roll through, we would lose power. And it usually wasn't for like a short amount of time. Like it would blink on and off, but eventually it would go out for like eight, ten hours at a time. And my mom uh, needs air conditioning because she's a lady who thinks she needs air conditioning. So my my dad uh, would go get the generator out and he would start it and he would hook up the AC unit and everything to this generator and then also the television, right? Because he had to watch Katie Horner tell you whether or not there was a tornado coming, right? But he could do that in complete darkness. He could get up from wherever he was in the house, completely dark, lightning in the windows is it, and he could walk out into the garage, completely dark, find the generator, hook it up, and start it with no lights on. He knew where his stuff was in this house, right? He could do it. I can do that in my house now. Like when I wake up in the middle of the night, I step over my dog. I don't see her because it's dark. My eyes aren't open yet. And right now there's a laundry basket in my way. So I step over the laundry basket. And if I know where the stuff is in the living room, I can kind of find my way around and I can do what I need to do in my house without turning any lights on. And probably a lot of you are like that as well. And what Paul is saying is this list of things, truth, honor, justice, love, It needs to be a part of your house. You need to be able to find it when darkness comes. When the power goes out, when the storm is hitting, 
when craziness comes about you in your life, if you've spent time living and dwelling with these things in your life every day, you're going to be able to find it. And you're going to be able to persevere. You're going to be able to rejoice. And you're going to be able to give your anxieties to God if you've dwelt or thought on these things through your life. The day my parents moved into their house, they knew where nothing was. And they slowly learned where things are. Slowly but surely, they're finding things and they're putting them in the right place so that they can use the tools that they have. And God is saying, these are tools that you need to have. Love in your life. Honor in your life. Truth in your life. Justice. Excellence. Things that bring praise to God are things we need to have in our lives. And they need to be in your house so that when the storm comes, you can find it and you can use it. When you need to love on somebody, you know where you've got your love shelf and you can go get some love and go love on somebody. When you need to be honorable, when you need to do the right thing, when it's really easy to do the wrong thing, you know that you've put it on the bottom shelf, like underneath the sink, like you know where it's at, so you can go get some honor and hold it tight to you because you've dug in to these things in your life. Maybe you just need to do something with excellence instead of cutting corners. Maybe that's in work. Maybe that's just in your everyday life. And you know where your excellence box is in your basement. And you can go get some. And you can hold on to it. And you can say yes to this excellence. Because you've dwelt in it. Because you've dug into it. Because you've placed it where you needed to place it so that you could use it when troubles come. When, when we have these tools in place, when we have these tools ready to be used, anxiety goes away and joy replaces it. It can be scary when the power goes out. I remember as a little kid being terrified and then hearing this generator kick on and all of a sudden the TV's on we have a, a lamp on and our house is cooling. And it can be scary in life when things happen that we don't expect. A loss, a job loss, a family loss, difficulty with relationships, whatever it might be in your life that comes along. Do you know where your tools are? Or are you going to fumble around and bump into things and struggle? And Paul's saying to this church that's been around for just as long as we have, and he's saying to this church, hey, you guys are doing really, really cool things, but when the tough things come, are you going to be ready? Are you going to have joy? Are you going to give up your worry? Are you going to rely on me? Because you know where everything is in your house. Because you've trusted me in this walk. And so you'll continue to trust me when troubles come.
So the band is going to come and they're going to lead us in just one song. So what I want you to do right now is they're coming. Just take a moment and on that piece of paper, I want you to write down what, what does your house look like? Is your house ready for storms? Is your house ready? Do you have the tools in place to weather the storms? Or are you going to be at a loss? Just take a moment to write it down as they come. And the cool thing about these tools that he, he lays out is that each and every one of them give us a deeper understanding of God. Every single one of them point us to Him. So as we dig into them, we come to know Christ more and more. And what I want to do now, as you finish writing, I want you to take that piece of paper and I want you to put it either in your Bible or in your wallet or somewhere, just for a week. I just want you to hang on to it for a week. Where you're going to see it. For me, like, I'm going to put it on my dash of my car. Because I drive every day, 30 minutes. And it'll be there. And I'll get to rejoice in the area that God, that I wrote down about joy. And I'll get to pray and ask God to take the anxiety and worry away on that second line, on the thing I wrote down that I'm anxious about. And I'll get to talk to God about what my house looks like. Do I have the tools in place to weather the storms? So just put it somewhere where you're going to see it. And just think on these things this week. As the band plays, I want you just to spend some time praying over these things just in your seat. And if you need to stand and worship, stand and worship. If you need to sit and pray, sit and pray. But I just want you to take a moment. Take this, the end of this song that we already sang this morning. And just reflect on God. And reflect on where you are at with Him. Do you have joy? Are you filled with anxiety? you have the right tools? So let's pray together. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for these new ideas of knowing what you want for us. You want us to have joy, to give over things to you of anxiety, and to have tools in place to handle the tough times. God, as we pray and as we sing, I pray that you move in this room.
I thank you for today. I thank you for the words to that song that would give us trust without borders. A faith that's made stronger. So that when the waves come, when the oceans are rising, when difficulties come, we, we've got tools in place to handle it. We've got joy. God, as we dig into one last thing, I pray that you shape us today. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. One more thing before we go, and I've got a couple of announcements at the very end. This life that we live, this life that we're in, and this time that we're in as a church, at times we can put on a brave front of everything's good, everything's fine, everything's everything's just doing okay, so that others don't know what's going on in your life. And I think that can fool ourselves, right? We can fool ourselves into thinking we have joy when really we're filled with anxiety. We can fool our friends into thinking that we're just great, man. They're just great people of God. We're just joyous when really we don't have our tools in place to handle these things. And so I hope when you wrote them down, wrote your things down, you were honest with yourself. And you were able to say, hey, these are things that I need to work on. These are things that I need to dig into. These are things that are meaningful to God. And for God to be able to use me, I need to trust Him. I need to be content with Him. I need to have joy. I need to trust Him enough that I give Him my worries. And I need to trust Him enough to know that the tools He's given me work. They're not broken. And if I put them in a place where I know where they're at, I can use them all the time. So, a couple of announcements today as we end. Um, Fellowship for Eight sign-ups are outside, so get signed up for that. If you don't know that what that is, we pair you up with a number, a couple of different couples around, and we send you to a house to have dinner together, so you get to know each other better. It's a fun time. It might be a little awkward at first, but who cares? It's still fun, right? Camp sign-ups for TPX need to be happening now. If you're not signed up for camp, get signed up for camp. Jeremy will be in the hallway with sign-up forms. And then the Gateway Retreat is a little bit different this year. Instead of Windermere, we're going to Tantara. The way that it's working is instead of a, a person, uh, you pay this much per person. Instead, you're paying a flat fee per room. And it's $200 per room, and that gets you two nights and meals and everything else that comes with the retreat. And it's an awesome deal. It's going to be a ton of fun. So you can sign up over there at that table, or also you can go to gatewayretreat.net and sign up online. It's really easy, painless. We've had a number of people do that already. Okay? So let me pray one more time, and then we'll get out of here. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that as we go about this week, as we dig into these things in our lives that we need to give over to you, that we do it. That we don't just say we're going to do it, or we don't just kind of make a promise to ourselves that, hey, I really need to work on this, but God, that we truly trust you in these areas and we give them over to you. God, we love you and we praise you and we can't wait for what you're going to do in our lives. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming. Have a great week.